you know, my, my actual sermon. I'm just, I'm not going to actually, I don't think I'm going to do the whole sermon because Katie and uh, Judge's testimony is really what I was going to preach on. And basically, um, I'll, I don't know if I'll preach on, I don't know. But anyways, there's a, a book that's called Catching Men by Watchman Nee. And uh, I was actually going to do a series on this uh, out of his out of this book, and you can get it on like iBooks for like a dollar, and it's probably the best one of the best dollars you'll ever spend. And but Watchman Nee, in case you don't know who he is, he was a um, early 20th century church planner in China and a prolific author. And then when communist China came into power, late 1940s, he was thrown in prison in 1952 and died in prison in 1972. And so he was um, in prison for his faith. But his, his, his books, you know, have, uh, if you've ever read a Watchman Nee book, you're like, this is just pure gold, you know. And um, you just feel the relationship that he had with the Lord. But this book that he wrote is called Catching Men. It's about how, you know, we get caught up in um, having a formula, having a plan. We even get caught up in sin and salvation when we're trying to witness to those that don't know Jesus, when we're trying to just share the love of, of Jesus. And his whole premise is that the, the, the first thing that Jesus comes as before he, become, before he comes as Lord and Savior, before he becomes our Lord and Savior, is he is the friend of sinners. And you think about examples out of the gospel. You think about Zacchaeus. He said, the way he won Zacchaeus over, he says, I want to have supper with you tonight. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, get out of that tree and worship me. Get down right now, kneel. He said, Zacchaeus, I want to be, I want to eat supper at your house tonight. And in the in the in the Jewish culture, when you eat supper with somebody and you bre- and you share salt, they, they had a little uh, bowl of water with salt in it, and you dip your bread in it, and you'd eat, and that was part of your meal. When you shared the bread in the salt solution, that was saying, any, if there is any bitterness or unforgiveness between us, it's now over. It was a covenant of salt. So what he did when he ate with Zacchaeus, who Zacchaeus was a thief. He was a tax collector. He stole. He took more money. And everybody hated him for it. He was despised. He was the biggest jerk in his town. And then Jesus said, I'm going to, Zacchaeus, dinner at your house tonight. And when they, brought, when they shared the bread and they dipped it in the salt, Zacchaeus knew, even though in the story it's not mentioned, Zacchaeus knew Jesus is pronouncing forgiveness over me. He forgives me. And he, and the love that he experienced from Jesus just being with him, he said, Jesus, I will restore everything I've stolen up to four times 
as much as I've stolen. And I believe Jesus said, salvation has come to this house. Because Zacchaeus believed on the Lord. And when he, and when he saw Jesus for who he truly was, all the things that we try to make people do happen. We try to, you need to ask for forgiveness of sins. You need to make restu restitution. That, no, the first thing is they need to touch Jesus. And then everything will follow. But, that we, but we can't get the, the cart before the horse. People will need an encounter with Jesus. That's why we owe them an encounter with Jesus. That's why you meet somebody, you know, you give them a prophetic word, you interpret a tattoo, and you're like, hey, I just, can I just ask God to release his presence on you? And then you, you just pray for him. It's like, Jesus, come. And there was a, a time, I think John Tran was with me, maybe Kevin. We went on an outreach, and there was a man that was walking by. And we were right in front of the grill, and I heard the Lord say, he's looking for something. And so he just kept walking, and I, he got, you know, about where the wall was, and I said, hey, excuse me. I ran him down, and I said, are you looking for something? He says, uh, he's from Germany, and so I'm just uh, looking, at, uh, just on my way to breakfast. And I said, well, I think you're looking for something. And... And so as I, I, I didn't have any other word for him besides that. But as I just said, I think you're looking for something. God started giving me a prophetic word for him. And I said, I said, I see you influencing people of influence. You're a statesman. I said, what are, you, are you here at school at UGA? What are you studying? He says, I'm studying uh, uh, political science. And I said, are you wanting to be a politician? And he's like, yeah. And so... I said, uh, and so we went in, I went into that a little bit more. And I said, do you know what it means to like be born again? He's like, no. I said, have you ever heard of that? He said, no. I explained, I even started a little bit in Genesis, probably talked for like three or four minutes. And I said, um, would you like to just meet Jesus? And I'm not trying to like, I really just wanted him to meet Jesus. It wasn't like get saved or anything like that. I just said, do you want to meet Jesus? Do you want to? touch him. <laughs> Do you want to let him touch you? He said, yeah. And so I was like, Jesus, just release your presence and just show him how good you are. And he said, man, I feel really relaxed. As like peaceful. He's like, yeah. And I said, I'm just, all right, I'm going to pray a little bit more. I said, Jesus, just give him more. And he went, man, I feel really good, real good. Wow, what is that? I said, that's Jesus. I said, would you like for him to live inside of you forever? <laughs> he said, yes. So I said, tell him. <laughs> Jesus, come live inside me forever. <laughs> and he's, that's what he prayed. And, um, you know, I may have let him, I can't, 
I think I may have had him, you know, pray for forgiveness of sins after that, but he had touched Jesus. You know, Jesus had touched him. You think about the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus didn't say, bow right now and worship me. He gave her a word of knowledge. You've had five husbands. Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. I always love that. <laughs> I perceive you're a prophet. And, um, and so she goes back and you know, tells the village, everybody, and many people come to her. And, but Jesus told her, he says, you know, you say you worship on this mountain and we worship over here, but I tell you, like, the one you're looking for, the, the, the water that never runs dry, the, etern the eternal well is right here in front of you. And, uh, and so he revealed himself as the Messiah, but did he say, get down and worship me? Jesus is so confident in himself that he knows that one, if you get a taste of him, you'll respond accordingly, which is giving your life over. Then you have Matthew, who was formerly known as Levi, the text collector. Jesus went to a big party with them. And that's when the Pharisees and the, the lawyers and the Sadducees, they said, look at Jesus. He's eating with the tax collectors. And, um, and Matthew, out of that, of Jesus coming to where he is, he said, Matthew gave his life, left the tax collecting business, which was very lucrative, <laughs> and went and followed Jesus. And think about, think about the Gospels. Think about the way Jesus encountered people. Think about the woman caught in adultery. Did he, did he demand worship? He just said, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Now, what happens after that? And so, and even in Romans 10, it says that all that's required is to call upon the name of the Lord and, and believe that he is not even what he has said he's done, but just believe in who he is. He's the son of God. The thief on the cross. All he knew was that Jesus was going to have a kingdom one day. There is no repenting of sins. Now, I know I'm, I, this is hitting a few religious feathers. I realized that because it ruffled mine. But when I looked at the Gospels, and it doesn't get rid of forgiveness of sins, it doesn't get rid of repentance, it's just what is first? What is first? And so the thief on the cross, he says, I, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. All he knew is Jesus was going to have a kingdom. And G what did Jesus say? Today, you will be with me in paradise. Because he believed, just like Romans 10 says, and you shall be saved. The Holy Spirit will do the conviction of sin, judgment, and righteousness. But the first step is you, they've got to taste Jesus. What, and this is what I tell people all the time. I was like, what do you expect somebody who doesn't know Jesus to act like? When you, we, we, we don't want to live inside the Christian safe bubble. That is death to me. It is not what we're called to do.
Because what happens is when you're like, I can't work in this place because it's so dark and heavy. Where is the light brightest? I can't work in this place because these my bosses are evil. Where's where can your, your light shine brightest? You know, I've I've heard people just say, I can't work here, I can't work. I was like, well, what do you expect people that don't know Jesus to act like? That's why you're on you're on assignment. And so I can't make somebody who's like, you know, I've got homosexual friends. I, I'm not trying to convince them not to be homosexual. I'm trying to let them taste Jesus. And then I, the Holy Spirit will do the rest. I'm not trying to make my relatives stop smoking. I just know they need whatever, more of Jesus, whatever it is. I'm just used, throwing something out there. My, my res, job, if you want to put it that way, what I'm looking to do is like, how can, they, how can they experience God? How can I give them an encounter with God? Is it through a prophetic word? Is it through just praying for them? Is it giving, making cookies for them? Is it giving them, a, giving them a hug? Is it doing a uh, drive-by Holy Ghost release? You know, I do that to my coworkers all the time. I'm like, hey, how you doing? Oh, shit, I'm like, hey, how you guys? What's going on? You know, I just, you know, you got to believe you carry Holy Spirit and you just, hey, what's going on? Hey, hey. And you just touch people. Maybe you don't see anything happen in that moment. But you're laying hands on them. I got one coworker. Every time I go buy a car, I'm like, Holy Spirit, I touch your car. Release them. Paul released anointing on handkerchiefs. I released the anointing on cars. How many of y'all had just been had a God encounters in your car. Woo. So I'm just like, get her, Holy Spirit. She's driving. And so you just, you know, those things you carry, you carry the presence of God. You carry the anointing. You carry the anointed one, the Christ. And so everything I was going to say today, it comes down, it boils down to one thing. Just give somebody a taste of Jesus. Love on them. And trust the Holy Spirit to do the rest. And that may mean the Holy Spirit asks you to say something else to them. To ask them about restitution or, or something. that may, You may have further direction. But you abide in the Lord. You listen to the Holy Spirit. Burning Man is all about just giving people a taste of Jesus. When people come into, came into our tent, our camp at Burning Man, and they just started crying without anybody saying anything to them, it was because Jesus was there. They got a taste of Jesus whether they knew that that's what they were looking for or not. And we got to prophesy. We get, and, and they know the next time that they experience that, they're going to be like, that's what, Burning Man. I felt that at Burning Man. Who is that? Or what is that? And it may be somebody, the next step is somebody prays for them in the streets. Like, hey, man, I just can I ask you, Jesus, just to release his presence? Like, yeah, sure, whatever, man. And they're like, oh, I felt that at Burning Man. It's the same thing. 
and just trusting the Holy Spirit that he's actually big enough to finish what he starts.